Hi, I'm Danielle, and this is one of each. Hi, welcome back. Um, it's been a while. That's my bad. But I am so excited for today's episode because it is an interview from February 20th, 2016 with two camp hosts who were the hosts of our campsite when my friend Lily and I went camping in Joshua Tree. And we originally only met them because we needed kindling for our campfire. We had bought firewood, but no kindling. And ended up talking to them and just had such a lovely time. And they were just just delightful to talk to. And I think you'll agree that Bill's voice should narrate audiobooks. They're just they're just great. So I hope you enjoy this. I was fascinated with them because what they were doing is my lifelong retirement plan of becoming a volunteer park ranger. And this is as close as you can get, basically, is being a volunteer camp host. So you're going to hear all about them and their life, and I hope you like it. Introduce yourself with your first name and your age. My name is Jan. I'm 61 years old. Great. You want to say just your name and your age? Yes, I'm Bill, (laughs) and I'm 72. Great. So I'm really interested in this volunteer service that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is literally what I want to do in our tire. I talk about it all the time where I want to be a volunteer kind of park ranger where I'm not responsible for people's lives mm-hmm. or injuries, but going to like every national park and being able to like assist and being so knowledgeable. How did you guys kind of decide to spend retirement this way? 28 years ago, give or take uh, a few months, we were sitting by a campfire in northern Wisconsin on the, on the uh, lake that my parents honeymooned on 90 years ago. Wow. We're sitting listening to the whippoorwills and the loons out on the lake. This is the lake I grew up on. I camped there every summer for about six weeks. And we're having our second glass of wine together by the fire and just kind of chit-chatting about all sorts of things on a wide spectrum of topics. And I said, you know what I'd like to do when we retire? And Jan said, I know you because I love you. And I know exactly what you want to do. That's sweet. But I know where I know where he got the idea from. From where? Um, our next-door neighbors um, were retiring, mm-hmm. and they sold their home and bought a fifth wheel and went off to volunteer yeah. full-time. And they did that for three years before they found their favorite place and decided to stop and buy a home there. Oh. Well, when we first talked to Chuck and Lois, and they told us what they were going to do, and that you had, they had this program in the national parks where you could volunteer, that's where we first heard about it. And then the discussion took place over, um, over time at the campsite. Yeah. It was, it, there was something with some people when they share life's experiences, some share life's experiences in a more documentary way. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, people can weave into the fabric of their, their recollection 
an essence that is so visceral, it's, it's electric. Yeah. It's sincere. And it resonated with a, a wonderful connection that they felt with doing something for someone else that they didn't expect to happen. Yeah. And we could see that. We could see ourselves because both of us in our lives, Jan is retired from law enforcement and I'm retired from mechanical engineering. Both of us have spent our lives helping other people, in her case, helping people be safe mm -hmm. and helping people along the way. And mine is, was helping people realize dreams that they had. Yeah in a way that I was able to use my talent and keep them healthier and more comfortable. So, we could see that our uh, vast experience in camping mm -hmm. and our natural abilities in mechanical things and working all things with people. Yeah. cultural and working with people, there might be a nice chemistry that we could realize some gratification. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you both came from... Um, like creative problem-solving backgrounds. Yes. Do you, how do you think? He's both far of more your artistic than I am, though. I'm yeah. more literal than he is. Sure. But how do you how do you think your individual backgrounds have helped you as volunteers here, or in any park, really? Well, in my case, I have always dealt with all different kinds of people, all different age groups, all different races, mm -hmm. um, good, the good side of the people and the bad side of people and a lot of different, uh, you know, just, you know, have to deal with the whole gamut of people that make up this country. Yeah. So that made me valuable to the national park system because that's who comes to the parks mm -hmm. is people from all over the world. Yeah. And uh, I just had a natural ability to deal with people. Um, and in his case, it was pretty similar, only he was usually dealing with physical problems with people. Um, yes, and, and there's a relationship, and yet there's a, there's a fork in the road there. One is that in Jan's case, quite often she was dealing with people who weren't expecting to deal with her. Mm. It came as a bit of a surprise. Yeah. The red lights in your rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. um, or a... a a family dispute situation where this foreign object of authority yeah. enters to find some amicable resolution. In my case, I was raised in a family where amicability wasn't supreme. God's will was supreme. Mm -hmm. What would God have me do in this case? That's really where I was raised. Yeah. And how can I take the, the talents that I've been given to make your life better? Mm. Lily's always dreamed of having uh, a painting of this little seaside, seaside village in, in Connecticut where she grew up, and mm -hmm. that was her fondest memories. Yeah. Photos don't quite do that yeah. because her grandfather isn't here anymore. Mm. So one of my gifts is being an artist. I can recreate that with a snapshot and pictures of her grandfather and insert all that to the point that she's there. Yeah. She can smell the ocean. She can hear the seagulls. She can feel the wet sand on her feet. And, and then another aspect was I was raised in a culture where entrepreneurial endeavor was, was the, one of the essential components of our family mm -hmm. because 
everyone in our my family owned some sort of a business. Oh, that's interesting. So that was a common element of discussion yeah. at, at the dinner table on Saturday night when we entertained. Money never came up. Yeah. It was never discussed, ever. I don't ever remember money coming up in any topic. But it was about how to, how to serve people and develop mm -hmm. this business and solve this problem. So it was just natural. I can't take any credit for any of this yeah. as it manifests itself. Um, I love to write. I'm writing an autobiography. I love to paint. I'm working on a series of paintings. I love to help people. I love natural photography. I love, but I love the interface. Mm -hmm. I love having someone. I love a uh, a certain Danielle and Lily come <laughs> to my campsite and say, "We don't have any kindling. I just happen to know where there is some. Would you mind if I just give you some?" And we appreciated that because yes. we were able to have breakfast this morning. <laughs> and yeah. the most creative I get is uh, writing the blog. I, I do most of the blog writing. Oh, you guys have a blog? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, it, and Jan also publishes books uh, through oh. Shutterfly. Well, I she she captures the creme d'essence of the moment. Yeah. And does it. Uh, with her photography. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the photos are my contribution, but most of them are hers. Um, occasionally she'll ask me about a phrase or how to express a capture just a certain feeling in mm -hmm. very few words. But usually it's it's 98% hers. Well, like and the Molly book. We, yeah. we lost our other yellow lab, Molly, in a year mm -hmm. and a half ago down in Texas. And she was our, our best dog we've ever had. And I wanted to do a Shutterfly book because we, you know, we were on the road, but we still have to deal with our feelings that were of loss. And, yeah, of course. And, um, and uh, another fellow, fellow camper said, you know, I, I wrote letters about my dogs when I lost them. Hmm. And I had been doing the Shutterfly books, so I just took that information and translated it and told, I'm going to take that and make a Shutterfly book. I chose all the photos, and I put the photos in order in the book, but Bill wrote all the copy. So we both had were able to deal with the emotions of losing yeah. her, and we both had our hand in it. So we both were able to process the loss of that dog because we each had our role in, in yeah. putting together that book. That's nice that you could like grieve separately, but also end up grieving mm. together. Right. We actually lost our family dog around right around that same time. Mm. It was like my first dog, and like that we oh. grew up with too. And I, that night, I was just like insanely distraught, and I went mm. on Shutterfly and printed like. Yeah. 500 pictures yeah. of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's um, it's a that way to process. Yeah. Is, um, it's the inverse of cleansing, isn't it? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's the, it's, uh, the like positive. I just want to collect side. everything. It's the positive. Yeah. And side. we have this to, we can continue. I can go in there, grab the Molly book, yeah. and open it up and, and still sob. And you bring her with you on all later, the trips. You know, and she's, nice. she's still with us, and we yeah. have her picture up in the hallway. And um, so even though we're, you know, on the road and we're away from everything that we normally know, mm -hmm. um, we're, we still have to deal with, you know, emotions of missing, like I miss my best friend and sure. the grandkids. And so we deal with the grandkids. We shutterfly, we um, FaceTime with them once a week. That's great. And so, you know, you have to learn, you learn to work away, work around the things that you left behind so that you can keep them with you still. Yeah. Because those relationships are the most important thing yeah. in the world. This, this stuff is, we, when, we, when we sold the house mm -hmm. and we gave away most of everything in it uh, almost five years ago, um, Bill had, you know, his huge wood shop. And we, uh, 
I thought because he was a guy to hold on to things. Mm -hmm. um, I thought when we left there that he was going to, you know, pop a vein. <laughs> and actually, as we drove away, he just heaved this huge sigh. And I looked at him, and I was concerned about him. You know, yeah. we were driving away from this life that we'd had for 25 years in that home. And, and I looked at him, I said, are you okay? And he said, I feel like I've just had an anvil lifted up off my shoulders. Yeah. You know, it was just, because this is it. This is so simple. Yeah. And if we go out and buy a new shirt, a shirt has to go, you know? I love that mentality. Yeah. Well, so, it was a lot of home. Yeah. And it was a, a, the largest piece of property west of Highway 12 in our in our village. Yeah. Where was this? Lake Which state Zurich, were you? Lake Illinois. Zurich, Illinois. Oh, okay. About an hour north. Uh, it's a northwest suburb of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it was a an, an acre and a quarter of land, a little 1950s ranch. And everything that had been built around us, every, all the old homes had been torn down and little quarter-acre lots made and million-dollar homes. Of course. So we just thought we had put it on the market mm -hmm. and went to our very first job assignment, which there's another story behind that. Yeah. And um, in five weeks, it sold for top dollar. Wow. Um, Seems so like everything really lined up for you guys to it did. have well, we, this future. We were going to buy, well, we were, like we were going yeah. to buy another home uh, in a senior neighborhood. In that sure. area, um, even because we're we, not seniors, of course. <laughs> no, so. of course not. Even though, but we didn't realize we were going to go full time. Well, at our very first job assignment um, mm -hmm. at the Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina, hmm. uh, eleven of there were twelve sets of volunteers. Eleven, the other eleven were already full timers. Oh wow! And um, we were the only ones that were not. We made good friends with Jim and Lydia, and they talked to us about the lifestyle, mm -hmm. and we committed it to prayer. And in five weeks, the house sold. Wow. And it just seemed like everything just fell into place perfectly. We made the decision to hit the road full time at that point and have just never looked back, just have no interest in ever owning a sticks and bricks home again. Ever. I can't imagine if you have like this life on the road going to all the national parks ever wanting to live in a house again either. This mm -hmm. is just no, so there'll much be a time. There will be, let's face it, he's 72 years old, you know. There'll yeah, be a time when we can't keep moving every three or four months. Sure. So we have, we'll have chosen, by that time, we'll have chosen our two favorite spots. Mm -hmm. Our summer location has already been picked. Where? We haven't locked in. Gunnison, just outside of Gunnison, Colorado. Oh, nice. Um, winter time, we're not fully locked in yet. We're mm -hmm. running an experiment this next winter. Mm -hmm. But right now, it would be, it would, we're leaning toward near Rockport, Texas. Cool. Which is um, near Corpus Christi. Yeah, mm -hmm. just north of Padre Island. Um, but that's not carved in stone yet. But um, we'll just we'll park the well. We'll probably have a second RV at that point. Leave one in Colorado and one down in Texas, and then just fly yeah. and, and move back and forth between the two. So when, we'll be moving all the time. When yeah. one thinks of plans and projections, oftentimes the term carved in stone gives one a sense of security. Yeah. Because sooner or later in your in your life's pathway of education you'll realize that you just the immense amount that you don't know mm -hmm. about life however well educated you might be you might have a doctorate in philosophy or or math or any of the sciences they're still unknowns the older you become and the more experiential wisdom you have brings you to the face-to-face -face knowledge that there's more you don't know than you do know. 
So when we say carved in stone, we're thinking more about some way of setting a path plan that allows you to feel relaxed and at ease. Yeah. And it's still modifiable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still adjustable. That's something I'm starting to learn more and more. When we when we when we yeah, life set needs plans to be that, fluid. Yeah. When we set plans that cannot be because of our very sheer ignorance that created plans that don't have little adjustments here and there that we yeah. make tweaking. We've erred in judgment. Yeah. And we've certainly maybe brought to a to an early death and otherwise great yeah. um, desire. When you express goals like you would like to be able to do this someday, mm-hmm. my guess is you will be able to do this if that is what you set for your objective and then plan accordingly. It's like saying, I would like to have a million dollars. That's easy to attain in America. Yeah. That's nothing. That's just numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, suppose you were 23 years old. All you would have to do is to set aside um, $21 a week and then enjoy the benefit of compound interest and enjoy the benefit of simple investment. My dad told me we had to talk about this like last weekend. <laughs> he was like, if you start now, when you actually retire, you'll have like million and a half. Yeah. Oh, like, easily. then I can do this. Oh, yeah. Easily. Very easily. Yeah. That, but, but you have to be consistent about it. Yeah. You have to put it in there and not touch it. Mm-hmm. It's learning. One of the keys to that uh, formula is that what that is, Lily, is a collection of <laughs> my art. It was, the, it was our wall art in our home. Oh, cool. And we, when we went into storage, every, everything that we couldn't let go went into a storage space. Yeah. And all of our art, about a third of it, which is his own paintings, mm. went in there. And um, every time we went back home in the spring, we went through the storage and I thought, okay, I'm ready to get rid of this now. I'm ready to get rid of this now. Well, last May, we went home and he said, I'm ready to distribute the art, which was going to go to all of our kids. Oh, that's sweet. Because most of it was his paintings. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> we went and, you know, we, we put together a Shutterfly uh, file, mm-hmm. sent an email to all of our kids, go in here and tell us which paintings you're interested mm-hmm. in having, and then we will make the decisions about who Give gets what. Give it a numerical what. value. Yeah. Not, oh. that, not that we can value things, but yeah. in your, what is... You know, like what is it I'm, worth I'm to you? Much, like how right. much? Right. But when we had some artist. surprises, yeah. like the heart song, the Kai, the yeah. Kaibo like, was a surprise. Like yeah. What do you think um, of when you see that cover? Oh, it's I one of my favorite. That's Michelangelo. <laughs> it's Michelangelo. It's it's. And I use that as the cover and it's titled "From the Hand of God" because I feel that's where art comes from. Sure. Mm-hmm. So. We did have some several surprises, and one of them was our son sent a message that he liked the Kaibo. That's a, it's a one of the paintings. And um, when his sister saw his note, she called and she said, "Did you see what James said about the Kaibo?" And I said, "Yes." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Who is he?" <laughs> and she She's said that really caught me by surprise. <laughs> so when we delivered the art that he had chosen to Colorado when we were coming out here, yeah. I gave him, we gave him the Kaibo, and I said, James, what, what's about the Kaibo? And he said, Sarah, who was a girl that he was about to marry. Oh. Sarah liked the Kaibo. 
I'm like, oh, okay, now I got now it. it. makes sense. But so then that gave us a little bit of insight into her. But in sure. with all of our kids, it gave us some real insight into it. So there's a process. Every time we go home, a little bit more. Yeah. We're re- able to emotionally release a little bit more. Um, so we downsized. We got down to a 10 by 10 last time we were home. Wow. I mean, I, I love having art in your home because it reminds you, of, especially if it's been there for such a long time, so yeah. memories are attached well, with it. It's right. really nice to have this book. Well, to he was, he was, like, yeah. like this painting that you're looking at there, the, the one on the, the, the snowy scene. Uh-huh. Yeah, the wee bird. Um, That's beautiful. Uh, one of uh, Kelly, who just moved from Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, in New York City to Manhattan Beach, Huh. Uh, she was a senior buyer for Macy's for about five years, but oh. and so she was with Diesel after that. Industry. But she was a little girl, and so she would pass through the living room. One little corner of it was my art studio in one of our homes. Yeah. And uh, when she was a little girl, she watched the progression of that painting. She's an oh, artist. That's She's an artist. So she, that was, that was a part of her heart song. Yeah. She was relating to a, an exquisite time in her life, when. She would come home and, and little tiny fragments. Yeah. The, the like see it developing. One it's might, like, you know, one might uh, repeat the phrase. It's it's a rather tacky phrase, but it's true. The devil is in the de- details. Oh yeah. So is the perfect pitch C middle C mm-hmm. in your heartstrings. Hmm. That's also in the details. When we strike that clarion note in a relationship, mm-hmm. in, a, in a scene you might see, in an exquisite uh, meal of extraordinary cuisine or a great wine, you'll know it. Yeah. It's like looking for that perfect mate. Um, Jan talked about James liking the Kaibo. It was one of my favorites. I remember showing him that painting it was vast. It's like um, seven feet by nine feet oh, wow. in the Art yeah, Institute the art, it's a art in Chicago. Wow. Ours is only... My mother gave yeah. me a membership to the Art Institute when I was nine because I was doing so many drawings and every time I went there I was just so enthralled. She could... So in the case of relationships and James choosing that painting, I remember standing there in front of that painting. He was four years old and he looked at it and he was just awestruck with it. Yeah. So he found a love of his life who resonated similar chords that meant something to him. That's part and parcel of a great relationship when your joy resonates with their joy and you see that you're harmonizing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't read all the music with the same accent. Uh, maybe you have a little bit of a French intonation <laughs> and maybe he has a little bit of a Spanish or Portuguese but it's still the same music Sure. and you respect that because of him or her so, I like that metaphor well when we were, we were you know distributing the, the art took mm-hmm. us all summer and we were stopping to gather up James's painful. art and Kelly's art because we were coming out west and we yeah. were going to deliver their art to them and I started to see something in his body language I asked him, I said, so what's going on? And he said, I'm missing my art already. And I said... It was wrenching. Okay, uh, okay. So I just went, unbeknownst to him, and I put every single piece of our wall art in this book. Yeah. Because one of the full-timers at our first job, Mm -hmm. Jim and Lydia, had said, 
You're going to have things that you have to leave behind because you can't fit them in your life. Yeah. Take a picture of it. And when you emotionally need to visit that thing, look at the photograph. Because photographs are small and you can take them with you. Yeah. So I put Especially the shutterfly. Put every picture we had, every painting yeah. is in there. And now whenever he needs to visit his art, he can. That's great. So that fulfills that emotional. Sure. You know, you learn to adjust, adjust things and still meet your emotional needs. Yeah. Here's how I learned. Uh, just a, a brief postage stamp. I'll try and keep it postage stamp size <laughs> recollection. How I found out and discovered the meaning of art to some people. Mm -hmm. It isn't for everyone. Some people might be more excited about a 57 Chevy than a Monet yeah. or a Degas or a Renoir. I was in the Art Institute. Um, I Once my mother bought me this membership every Saturday, every first Saturday of each month. Uh, we lived about 45 miles north of Chicago and I would walk the three blocks down to the Chicago Northwestern and get on the train, first train came through town on Saturday morning. I'd have my little valise and a little three-cornered chair, leather chair, my lunch, and a dollar and a quarter or so. And I would get on the train, and I soon got to know the conductors and everyone. And I would ride into Chicago alone. This is not something that would be done today. At yeah, nine. No. <laughs> and uh, I would get off the train in Central Station and walk down Washington uh, to Michigan Avenue cross over and go to the Art Institute. I was there about 15 minutes after it opened. Yeah. I got to know all the staff and I, I did, I, would, I went down to do drawings to study the paintings and then emulate sure. some of the brush strokes and so on. One day I was working on a painting, on a, a large sketch um, in, the, in the Dutch Renaissance area and a man came up behind me mm -hmm. and stood there for quite some time and I could feel his presence. He was very quiet and he said, uh, finally he cleared his throat and he said, excuse me, do you do commissions? <laughs> and I, I'm, you know, I'm very gregarious and, and uh, so I, I had no idea what a commission was. <laughs> so I said, oh yes, of course. <laughs> Always say yes and figure it out after. <laughs> Always say yes and never say I can't do it. Yeah. You know, unless you really, unless you're talking about brain surgery. That's what my mom says. You always say sure, no problem, and then yep. figure it out. <laughs> no worries. And, That's how you uh, learn. Yeah. So at any rate, he introduced himself. Uh, he was uh, a banker. Um, worked in a large bank in the city, and several blocks north of the river. Um, a corporation had come in and bought the entire block of old brownstones. Hmm. Brownstones, yeah, large stone homes. They all had porches. And so he wanted a painting done. They'd had photographs, but they this home was going to be um, demolished in about six months. Hmm. And he grew up there as a little boy. His father had had the home built in the uh, before the crash of 29. Oh, wow. So I exchanged information with him, and I said I would visit the home the following week. Usually my mother didn't come with me, but now and again I knew that she was needed to come to 
uh, shop at Marshall Fields the next week. And I said, I will be here with my mother. And, uh, and I would, I'd like to visit the home, get a feeling for, you know, how it looks. Sure. If you have any, and as sometimes occurs when you have dialogue with people, little thoughts will just surface. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll just bubble to the surface, and you wonder, where did that come from? Yeah. And um, so I said, if you have any photos of your parents, do you have any siblings? Brothers and sisters, I said then. Yeah. Um, although I grew up with all adults, so my vocabulary was kind of mature even then. Sure. Um, and he said, yes. I said, if you can assemble any photos of your parents' car or anything to do with this home, I'd like to see it. So the following Saturday, we went there after shopping, and we got there about four in the afternoon, and there was long shadows of light. It was autumn. And uh, we went up on the porch, and while we were, we, my mother rang the doorbell, double glass doors, it was very dramatic. And I was looking at the ceiling of the porch, and off to one side, there were two big eye bolts hanging from the ceiling hmm. of the porch. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? I there am imagining a, like a hammock. There was a porch swing there. There we go. <laughs> and, the, and I just pictured a classic porch swing. Yeah. So we went in and sat down, and we had tea. Uh, lovely. It was just lovely. And I said, so, and we talked a little bit about his parents and he had one sister and they had a pet dog he had a picture of that and so he said I, I you can take these photos with you I had not two weeks before been reading I, I read extensively um, I, I, I learned to read when I was my brothers and sisters much older than I taught me to read. they thought it was trick to teach this five-year-old all this <laughs> stuff so I, I was an avid reader at five I was playing the piano at five and um, they bring home complicated music, and so I'm messing around with Chopin and so on. And, and I would read all of their books from school, sure. you know, high school and grade school and so on. And um, one of the things I had read just two weeks before was uh, I was reading a story, a short story about this artist in New England, and he had a client give him some snapshots and he had a fire in his car, and they were destroyed. Ugh. That's terrible. Um, now the difference was in those days that didn't that wasn't on a, uh, an SD card. They were just real photographs. Gone. Fini. And he long time could you visit you for the dernière fois and you it's gone. So anyway, the the upshot of that learning curve was I declined, which surprised my mother. Uh, and I said, I, I see the photos, and I have it. I, I think I have it. And he raised his eyebrows and thought, really? Uh, so at any rate, I, I went home and started working on this, on this painting. After about four weeks, my mother came to me one day, and she said, when do you think... Uh, when, how do you know when it's done? I'm working on the detail and so on. And I said, well, uh, uh, Mr. Wilkerson will be uh, visiting us uh, next week. And you'll see. You'll see when it's, you'll see how I know when it's done. 
And I just had this theory about, you know, whether he'll be pleased or not pleased. So, in the painting, uh, I asked him what season he wanted it in, and mm -hmm. he, he chose autumn, which was my favorite. Uh, you may not be familiar with northern Illinois, but northern Illinois, and particularly along the lake, our autumns are just breathtaking. Yeah. The well, color. And there's a painting of Door County autumn. In yeah. The light sensitivity and, and mm. air quality and, and all sorts of things. Uh, it's a very romantic era. So, anyway, I set it with, I, I turned the house slightly and added a maple tree to, to kind of conceal the next house over so that they didn't look alike. And I added a porch swing, and I put his mother on a porch swing. Oh, that's sweet. Working on a, a knitting. I didn't know whether she knitted or not. <laughs> I blessed her with that extra talent. And <laughs> Artist I choice. Put, I put him uh -huh. in knickers <laughs> on the top stair, and his little sister with this cute little gingham dress and a dolly, a Raggedy Ann dolly, I used one from our home as a prop, you know, to, yeah. to get the, and their family dog in between. That's great. And I put his father, the photo was very poor of his father. So they had glass, double glass storm door. And so I put the father behind the storm door and I just made it a very opaque image. Mm -hmm. But you could see it was him. And I'm, he had a mustache. So I, I made that shine through a little bit of refracted light. And yeah. anyway, I, I'm, I'm... We digress. <laughs> we digress. I don't So they came all. and visited uh, the next Saturday afternoon. And they came in and we sat down. We were having tea. Now we're in our living room. And in the corner of the living room near the fireplace, I have this, my little easel, mm -hmm. uh, very primitive. And I had it covered in a sheet. Uh, that's something I read in a book. And uh, <laughs> finally I said, well... You must be anxious to see this uh, this work. I'm, it's still in progress, but it's getting. Or I'm getting close. <laughs> I flipped the, the sheet back over, and he just cried. And uh, so I looked at my mother and I said, "That's when you know when it's done." <laughs> yeah. So. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, well, little snippets of time and space. They're suspended like Christmas tree ornaments out of season. You know, they're just there. Mm -hmm. They're on your hard drive. They're on mine. I was blessed with a very good memory, so I could recall things and at, as I have over the years. The frustration is, as I edge, I was joking about senility, yeah. I really am edging towards the brink of senility and occasionally things will escape me and I find it so frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I can still pull up immense numbers of formula from the world of physics and formulas from the world of engineering, mechanical engineering, and problems solved and dragons slayed so long ago, yet still seem so clear. And yet I might not remember exactly what we served you for dinner three nights ago and you know by some fireside I'm already like that now <laughs> I remember it, my long term is so excellent mostly because I was so stubborn when I was younger I still am stubborn but I was much worse then and I like held on to feelings so tightly that I if I have that feeling again I'm like oh I remember that exact moment but like I don't know what I had like to eat two days ago 
Well, it, that's like it is. I think that's fine. Remembering yes. the more important yes. things is <laughs> better yes. for you your, your overall health, anyway. Setting to, your priorities. To say yeah. it isn't. It, to say it's fine, is really a statement of elegance, <laughs> because in, in in that depiction, the choice of that word is to suggest that a relationship is far more important. <laughs> the values that you bestow yeah. and infuse into that relationship through care and sensitivity is far more important than whether I can remember uh, how to calculate uh, the speed at which light disappears into space and reappears on the other side of our universe. Yeah. That isn't, I guess that isn't really that germane. Yeah. But rather remembering the shadow of Lily's smile long after <laughs> she is gone. That's more important, yeah. see, to me. But I I, that's so the artist's too. side of me. Yeah, of course. So and that, we're both like theatery, very yeah. creative. Like I'm a writer and Lily works in theater all the time. So it's like being, like growing up with theater and art and music too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think it makes you more able to connect with emotions. Yes. So I'm, I absolutely. recognize that as more important than anything oh, else. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I grew yeah, up. Yeah, I'm the odd man out here. <laughs> we grew up in, in you our family. You compliment each other. At least yes, once a month, we, we do. would go to downtown Chicago. And uh, we would spend an entire Sunday there. And we, we, it would alternate. One, one occasion, we would see a live play. Uh, a main. We're talking about you and I? or No. You and the as, family. As a, as a child, when right. I was growing up. Mm. Or the symphony, or ballet. Yeah. Uh, or the Art Institute, or the Museum of Science and Industry, all these grand things. Because as we were growing, our, my parents wanted us to have a very, very well-rounded sense of the world around us. Not just, no, you don't need to see that movie. Well, really. Hmm. But to who died and made you God. <laughs> You know. Yeah, I'm always uh, grateful is, for my parents for that same reason. Like, is there anything more powerful than to, to sit in an audience and listen to Shakespeare being spoken by an artist? You're preaching to the right crowd here. Yeah. <laughs> Who is we, standing were, we both grow up like, I breathing, mean, you're still you're working in Breathing life right. into this. Yeah. I think live theater and, like, I grew up dancing too, so it's like that kind of just live energy is oh. like... Yeah, they... they the best story I can relate to the live theater was our our daughter is an artist. Uh, the youngest daughter is an artist, and, and most most of his kids are artists, artistic. Yeah. And um, she loves live theater. Yeah. So um, we decided to surprise them when Christmas. They were at that time they were in high school. They were living in Minnesota with their father, and they were coming home for Christmas. And we were going to take them to see Les Mis, not Les Mis. <laughs> no, the Nutcracker. The Nutcracker. Oh. At Christmas time, we were going to take them down to Chicago. We did take them to Le Mis once. To yeah. Kelly, yeah. So we were taking <laughs> them to the, nut, the Nutcracker. Yeah. And we did not tell them. Now, we knew that Kelly would absolutely head over her, just head over heels for this. We didn't tell James because we thought if we tell James where we're going, we won't get him there. There's was, a small he, battle in the Nutcracker. He was 11. He was, <laughs> no, he, no, he was. No, he it's was, like a two-minute battle, No, but it's he still was there. living with Steve, so he was, I think he was 15 or 16. Ah, yes. Mm, yes. That's so harder should, than... Yes. Oh. So we were going to surprise him. So we're walking toward the theater, and they have these big 
placards out saying, you know, the Nutcracker, the ballet. And we're walking, and Kelly realizes first where we're going, and she just starts getting so excited. She's animated. And moments after that, James sees and realizes where we're going, and His he looks at roll. us. He looks at us, and he goes, "Really?" <laughs> so, <laughs> when we got, he fell asleep almost immediately. <laughs> but when we got, when we came out of there, I said, "Now, someday, some girl is going to ask you to take her to the ballet," and. If you really don't want to go, you can you can honestly say to her, "Been there, done that, didn't like it." Sure. So, but if Sarah asked him to go to the ballet, he would drop a, <laughs> everything and just take her to the ballet. Let's see. I would but, hope. Yeah, but this um, is, this so, is fascinating. Yeah, to go back to the uh, Pisgah <laughs> National Forest, which was our very first assignment back, sure. you know, in six chapters ago here. Um, <laughs> these people that had gone to do this, Chuck and Lois, mm -hmm. and they had been full-time for three years. Um, 20 years later, we were now going to go full-time. Yeah. And we threw out all of our applications, and we decided we would take the, accept the first one that came in and wanted us. And that turned out to be the Cradle of Forestry in the Prescott National Forest out in North Carolina. Well, we had been through that area, visited Chuck and Lois about 10 years earlier. Yeah. And um, so we accepted at the Cradle of Forestry. Now, Chuck and Lois at that time, I figured they were in their early 80s. So I was afraid to call. So I wrote a letter. Mm -hmm. And the phone rang a few weeks later. I didn't recognize the number, which I normally wouldn't answer, but I did answer this time. And this scraggly voice says, hey, this is Chuck Hughes. Mm -hmm. And so we get to talking. I said, hey, Chuck, you got my letter, blah, blah, blah. And they were still alive and fine, and they still are to this day. Um, so we said, we're coming down to the Pisgah National Forest. And he said, where are you going to be assigned? And we said, at the Cradle of Forestry. And he said, that was our very first assignment. I love full circle things like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then, and so they, he said, they, they, he, I said, we're going to be right at the Cradle. And he said, that's where we were the first two summers we volunteered. And that is why they fell in love with the Brevard area sure. and bought their home there. So when we were at our very first assignment, we were able to visit with them several times. It's a wonderful culture. It's laid back, and yet there is an element of education and refinement. Yeah. Uh, but on a lower key structure, not yeah. like downtown Chicago or. But you don't go out. Like more from relaxed, but still in. Yes. Intention. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you, but you don't go out for Mexican food. We go out for Mexican food every Friday night. Yeah. You don't go out for Mexican food in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> they, I can't imagine that doesn't being easy to well, find. Well, think they have a clue. Yeah. And they don't. <laughs> I was raised in, in our family. Learning to cook was very, very important. Mm -hmm. So, on your eighth birthday, uh, it was tradition that you would design the meal. Uh, and you would cook oh. everything. That's such a nice tradition. I want to do that. Well, by the time I was eight, uh, my mother had loved little contests. I was taught to sew mm -hmm. all sorts he of things. He can darn like there's no tomorrow. Because <laughs> mom wanted us to be able to be independent. Mm -hmm. Because she knew in life, not all of the curves are well marked and mm -hmm. scheduled. And things can change very abruptly. You may be on your own far before you would expect to be. So and over at my home, excuse me just for a moment, honey. Over at my home, my dad was teaching me how to use tools. If he was laying a tile floor, if he was doing some electrical work or plumbing, 
he'd call me there and he'd show me what he was doing and how he was using the tools because his stand was, um, you know, someday you may marry a guy that doesn't know a wrench from a hammer and you're going to have a home. And My you're gonna dad need did to that too. Yeah, you're going to need to know how to, so to this day I can, I can do everything except plumbing. I'm not good at plumbing. Plumbing is hard. The pressure, he I don't understand. Plumbing. <laughs> but I go ahead. I, I can do plumbing and I hate it. Yeah. It's just, anyway. So... My mother, one little contest I recall, was having, <laughs> no, just, just no. Um, one little contest mom had was, I, I noticed that you've become quite accomplished at sewing buttons on. I could, uh, when I was eight, I could change the zipper wow. in your, on a pair of slacks. I could take them up or let them out. Yeah. Um, I could change the hem on your skirt. I, I knew how to have you stand in Those one place and mark with too. chalk exactly oh, do so where yeah. Hemming is, hemming is tricky for alter that. Buttons I can do. <laughs> Buttons? She said, okay, let, let's see. <laughs> and she put me in our dining room closet on the floor. <laughs> We're about to have company. And she said, no, I'd like to have you sew this button on right here. And she cut it off. And she wanted the holes to line up. Ooh. You know, not not just on, yeah. Not in like, line. Make the them holes even. All look square, the yeah. same. Mm -hmm. exactly. And and you do that in the dark. In the dark. Because you have to she feel where the hole is. If you can feel the fabric, yeah. You should be able to feel where that mm -hmm. hole was. That fabric was originally distressed by the Excuse point me of the needle. This is important. You mentioned red plaid pajama pants. Yes. He just walked by. I'm, I uh, talked with him earlier. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> a throwback from 12.30 last night. Mm, Someone had a little problem morning. with sound level. Oh, was that over by us? I knew that. Yeah. That's when, and someone drove up right by us, too, and I was like, yes. see, I, like I thought they were going to, like, drive into our tent. I sat up, and I was <laughs> like, um, and I was like, I'm sure they'll be around, and then I saw the golf cart, and I was like, One would hold. <laughs> One would hold, yeah. yeah. Um, you guys caught them just pretty tanked up. When you when you have a campground with ninety nine sites in it and yeah. 90, 97 of them last night were ninety yeah ninety six of them were filled last night yeah. wow um, it's like trying to organize ninety nine spiders on a on a picnic table and hoping that you can keep all of them on the tabletop. <laughs> I have a a few wrap up questions because this has been sure. great but I we have I like everything and I don't want to have to cut anything out and we're at like 45 so that's actually pretty ideal for me but um, do you have a favorite national park that you've been to and if you do which one is it and this is a, as a volunteer or just a visitor um, oh it is a volunteer um, in almost five years we've only returned to one location not because we haven't loved every location we've been to, because we have. Yeah. But Joshua Tree, this is the only place we've returned, and this is our third time here. Oh, wow. This will be our last time here. This but, is our first time here. Okay. It's it's Joshua Tree is just kind of a magical place. It and is. We, we love it here. Yeah. Um, as far as personally, I think Yellowstone for me. Beautiful. Because Beautiful. that's where his burn experience occurred. Oh, really? Um, and that's another forty-five minutes that we would take another day. But yeah, his he was burned to death in Yellowstone. He was six oh, years old. So, um, geyser? No, gasoline. Gasoline. <sighs> I knew it was never a good thing when you're lying in the dirt in Yellowstone, July fifth, nineteen 
and you can see your shin bones exposed. Eesh. So for me it's personally, hard. it would be Yellowstone, but yeah. I think you probably prefer glacier over, glacier over anything, don't you? Uh, visually, as an artist, I would say Glacier National Park. Yeah. Emotionally, I would say Joshua Tree National National Park and Keys Ranch in particular. Yes. Because the first time we were here, one of the things we do in when you do this, mm -hmm. you will you will have a resume. Think about your resume of life. Keep notes. You probably do because yeah. you're a writer. Yeah. I'm a writer. So I, I do sometimes keep notes. Dates in particular can move around yeah. in the in the background. It's like my favorite from one of your fields of interest. My favorite is Bert. Oh, you can I can cut anything, don't worry. My favorite is Berzhnikov. Mm -hmm. Ugh. And so to have Berzhnikov center stage. Yeah. And but knowing there are other things going on backstage. Yeah. Those are the night notes in your thought life. Mm -hmm. And some of them are moving targets. Yeah. They're elusive because they're so ethereal. Sure. Uh, some of them are so clear because they're very visceral, but others, like, like us injecting smoke into a scene. Yeah. For Swan Lake. It's just nothing quite like it, right? Yeah. But that's part of our imagination, and it's part of the mechanics. So we document things that we're not quite certain of, mm -hmm. so that later we can recapture and retell with some degree of authenticity. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, I think Keys Ranch. Keys Ranch was my favorite because of the vast degree of freedom to which we had. Mm. We were there with our unit and our two dogs, but I was completely free. Yeah. Our only job was to live there and be a presence. Simply mm. be there. And it's so remote, it's uh, 17 miles to the first light bulb you will see. Where is that? Keys Ranch is up in the Hidden Valley area of the park. Oh, it's just here. It's yes, here. They, do tours oh. of, they do tours of the ranch four it times a week incredible. now. Mm. If you can get a tour there. Yeah. Yeah, you have to call the phone number and, mm -hmm. and call, make a reservation. Okay. Call over to the ranger station. Mm -hmm. Tell them Bill and Jan Sadi sent you and that you and you want whatever. Well, I don't know if they'll be here. They the tours are um, Wednesday, Fridays and Saturdays at two and, and, and Sunday mornings at ten, I think. If you had to delay something, miss a day of work, call in, I'll call in for you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's it's an extremely it's remote, already missed yesterday, but <laughs> it's an extremely remote location and when we first came out here and the volunteer coordinator said, you know, what do you want to do? And we said, What's your most difficult volunteer position to fill? And he said, Keys Ranch and we said, Well we'll take that. It's That's difficult to fill because you, yeah. you we had a sewer hookup mm -hmm. but it was non potable water. Mm and no electricity, no phone. You have to drive, drive 17 miles to make a phone call or use the internet. Wow. So it's extremely remote. The only people you would see would be the rangers a few times a week when they would come out with these small tours. And yeah. no one would come there. That no sounds one. really Ab ideal. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. You're totally. cut off. You know, yeah. we would go into town once a week to do laundry, we'd call our kids and tell yeah. them we're still the alive. <laughs> and to be very clear, there'd be no reason for you to get dressed at all. I mean, no one would know if you didn't put our clothes on. Go outside and sit on the patio 
and dry off dry in the off. sun. That's like my fantasy, just to like, nobody would know what I'm doing and I can just do well, anything in like silence without seeing other people. So to, to Oh, it was in the night skies, the Milky oh. Way, you could just like reach through the Milky Way with yeah. your hands. You are in the phenomenal. Milky Way. There is yeah. no ambient light. That's crazy. There is no, you and can't we even would, see LA glow. So We would be there, we would still have been there the last two volunteer positions here, except when the volunteer coordinator put us out there, he did not know at that time that you were not, he was not supposed to have caretakers out there that had domestic pets. Mm. After we left, another, fam, another couple came with nine dogs, and the volunteer coordinator's boss was out there, and she called him up, she and she was, turning, she was turning purple, and she <laughs> said, what are you doing with dogs out there? There aren't supposed to be any, any domestic pets out there. Uh -oh. So he had to call us. Um, we were due back there in October. He called us in June. And said, I've been putting off calling you guys for months. Um, can't have any pets out there. And I'm sure that George thought we would say, bye, George, it's been nice knowing you. No. Yeah. We said, well, what else do you have for us to do out there? So that's when he put us at Black Rock. That's great. And that's why we've been here twice. But um, we will always have a dog. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the only well, chance, no so I've been trying that. to talk him into waiting until Tessa is gone even if it's just a few months before our next dog, so we can get one more gig in out yeah. at um, Keys Ranch. But yeah. I don't know that that'll happen. Probably not. <laughs> one of the chapters in my book is called Do Not Attempt to Go Back. Hmm. Don't return. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same. Those, that memory yeah. that, I, that I sketched out of you standing on the little, little bit of shoreline there, just north of Mystic Seaport, Connecticut, mm -hmm. where you grew up as a little girl. <laughs> it's, it's, it's irreplaceable. Yeah. Don't go back. And the moment's not going to be the there, same. when you get back there, there will be a no. condo there. It wouldn't be the same. No sense of where your home was. Your childhood home. Or your, or yeah. your best friend two doors down mm -hmm. and their dog spot. All that stuff. Yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. I said that a couple weeks ago. There's a big fence in front of my house. like a big sort of like modernist. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, you can't they, even see my house. And I'm like, Wait, well, and that's, <laughs> that's part of the yeah. definition of growing up, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We yeah. can call it aging, and it is. But in the meantime, you have, you can allow a certain amount of authenticity and reverence for what it was you were given mm -hmm. when you were given it. Yeah. I think we're given things for a reason at a certain time in our life. So when you were eight years old, you were a very, very different young lady than you are today. And yet, most of the essential components of who you are as a young woman and your goals and values are unchanged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are who you were when you were eight. Now, there have been some refinements. Um, maybe you've gone through the acid rock thing or, or whatever along the way, but now you've got to the point where this artist and this author and this chef, all those things have raised your bar somewhat. Um, experientially, that's what we're supposed to be doing, is thinking about life as we pass through it, not simply presuming that it's always going to be better. It may not always be better. Yeah. I look at it like a, a book. You know, a book is made up of chapters. and. You know, your life is a series of different chapters that make up one book. 
I look back at my chapter of the person I was in my early 20s, and I don't even feel like I'm the same person. Yeah. I know that I am, innately I am, but that when I look back at that person, I don't recognize her anymore because I've grown so much since that time. I do that sometimes even just like with my college self. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's so much of me that's different mm-hmm. and the most innate things are the same, right. like my values and like yes. the things I yes. like, but there right. are some things I look back and I'm like, that's just a straight up different person. And that was like mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then you get, you get so many. So you, I, I feel like I'm like eight or nine different people at yeah. this point. Yeah. Oh, in one still in the same package I like in, that because then you can respond to different things with like the different parts of you mm-hmm. nice. exactly. you're in one amazing package <laughs> this is my love my yeah, rose get your boots, my flame get your boots on girls <laughs> she is my love my rose my flame mm-hmm. so we should probably end on that because I don't think it'll that's like definitely the peak <laughs> the unexamined life is not worth living so mm. said Socrates nice And it is nice in that we think back experientially as we pass through life and we have different exchanges. It's like when I was a small boy, I used to take my dog Smokey, my Cocker Spaniel, for walks. And one of my favorite walks was to go down near the pond, near the Chicago Northwestern tracks. There's a park there. And I would, on my walk, I would discipline myself to pick up one stone I'd carry it in my pocket to the edge of the pond where I would skip that stone and I can remember watching that stone skip across the surface of this mirrored pond the early morning mist and think about the ripples and where they go so our life's relationships are like that we don't always know how far the ripples are going to go the repercussive effects of your relationships with mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. and the impact you have on them. It can be positive or it can be negative. I think one of the most hurtful things I've heard coined in phrase over the last 20 years is the term, whatever. Yeah. I think that's so, that degree of apathy and... Just like in, indifference, indifference makes me crazy. So yeah. We heard that a lot from a 14-year-old Kelly. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I said it a lot as a 14-year-old self. <laughs> yes, yes, but, exactly. But now you realize Now you see, like, how, indifference is just so... It's not how, just, like, unattractive, but, like, it's not a good how quality. How offensive that is yeah. to, to a thinking person who's it's thinking... It's just so demeaning. I've yeah. planned this out. If you don't fully understand it, wouldn't it be better for me to say, Lily, I don't, I'm not understanding what it is you said you wanted to do today. Yeah. Rather than to say, whatever... Even just a no is nicer mm-hmm. than a, yes. like, oh, yeah, whatever. sure, so, yeah, so I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have taken up too much of your time, but. No, this is great. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, guys. I feel honored. Yeah. I do. I'm, I'm like, I'm just sitting here like. <laughs> like, we have to come back before you guys get out of here. So I know. Nice bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. Hey, it's yeah, here. how long We're are you guys going to be here? We will be here until uh, the last week of April. Oh, nice. We don't know yet because we owe Jim and Sue a couple of days. So we may be here beyond the 26th. Um, Not likely. But we'll, we'll be leaving between the 26th and the 30th. And oh. 
heading back uh, to northern Wisconsin via Denver, where we have some oh, RV nice. work that has to be done there. Sure. So we get to spend a few days with our son there. I wanted Jan nice. to be able to see the desert in bloom. Well, when we got here, we realized that they had had so much rain. Yeah. And that was very promising for a desert bloom. I've never seen the desert bloom. I thought it was bloom. supposed to be like this weekend or next weekend. Uh, it starts. Yeah. It starts anytime now. You can see the buds on the Joshua trees. I don't yeah, know we, we saw some when we were hiking yesterday. They're still pretty I, I tight. Saw some. They're, they're about this size. Yeah. But we saw a big one out there, like a big Janice white Janice is our ranger. She lives two blocks south. Oh, or yeah. two blocks north of here and uh, right off of San Marino. Mm-hmm. And the Joshua trees behind her house have huge blooms on them. Oh wow! Just two Just blocks right that there. Yeah. Our, ours are. I haven't seen any blooms yet, but they're coming yeah. very soon. It'll be well, I'm not good at ending things, so I usually just have my guests like say goodbye because I don't know how to like wrap up. I don't like for things to end. Goodbye. <laughs> and today's date is. Oh yeah, what's February? February twentieth. Twentieth. Two thousand. Twenty. Twenty sixteen. Sixteen. Great. It's another beautiful day. It really is. The birds this are is singing, the sky is blue, and the palm branches are waving. Yeah. And we are going to make a positive difference in the lives around us, one life at a time. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I'm going to end you. it now. Here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, I guess, throwback interview from our camping trip over three and a half years ago. I really enjoyed going back and listening to it and just reminiscing on that trip and this interview and meeting Bill and Jan and just, you know, just talking to people for a long time that you wouldn't even think to talk to for a long time. And this was one of my earlier interviews and I just, it was so nice to go back and listen to how I used to be, but also that was a point of discussion toward the end of how we're so different at different stages of our lives. So going back and listening to my 24 and a half year old self was kind of a trip, but, um, I had fun and I hope you did too. And thank you for listening if you did. And I, you know, I always hope to have another episode soon, but as I say, I do this all myself. So I'll get another one up as soon as I can and hope you have a great day. Bye.